Welcome to episode 41 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Hey, today's guest is none other than Eric Bennett from Utah. Eric uh, has some amazing photography and a lot of uh, listeners and other photographers uh, recommended that he come onto the podcast and uh, I had a really fun time uh, having him come onto the podcast. He's a really funny dude. Like We went back and forth on text message with memes for like an hour. It was hilarious, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, Eric and I had a great conversation about... Uh, um, how he got started into landscape photography, his background in that. Um, we talked a lot about uh, how to f- how photography can help preserve our wilderness. Um, we talked a lot about Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, which is uh, he's been going to shoot there about once a week now for for a while now. So he's really familiar with that area. So it's it was fun to talk to him about that topic. We talked about um, him becoming a full time professional photographer and um, talked about backpacking. We talked about traveling, um, and lastly, we talked about collaborating and not competing, which I really enjoyed that topic. A um, couple announcements. Um, I'm still trying to fundraise for the $1,000 Landscape Conservation Award, which ties in nicely with this episode because that's the topic we talked about at great length. Um, I've partnered with uh, The League magazine. Um, They are an ethics and conservation-focused landscape photography magazine that comes out on an annual basis. It's a $50 magazine um, that focuses on those topics. And um, basically, uh, $50 supporters of the podcast on Patreon get a free subscription to The League magazine. Um, So basically, you're getting the magazine for free for supporting the podcast um and that that uh, deal is going on through the end of february um one last thing i wanted to mention is um i am now a format high-tech filter ambassador i don't know if you use f- filters for your photography i know i use a lot of filters um listeners to the podcast can get ten dollars ten percent off their order if they use the code pain 10 that's p-a-y-n-e 10 and there's links in the uh, liner notes of the podcast and lastly if you're looking to build a website uh, for your photography check out my friend jack brower's system uh it's a wide range galleries and uh there'll be uh notes to that as well uh as always reach out to me twitter facebook instagram whatever uh matt Payne photo or matt Payne photography and uh we started a new facebook group as well that'll be in the liner notes too thanks for supporting the podcast Bennett, dude, it's super cool to have you on the podcast after um, spending the last month exchanging nothing but gifts with you on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> yeah, man, it's good to be on here. Thanks a lot for inviting me. It's a cool opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, uh, there's been lots of people that have recommended uh, you be a guest on the podcast. So, um, and I've and I've been following your photography for a while as well. So. Uh, Obviously, you'd be a great choice for the podcast. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. So, um, before we get totally down and dirty, um, I was hoping you could just take a minute to tell the listeners just a little bit about you, yourself, like who you are, where do you live, um, 
and maybe talk a little bit about how you got into landscape photography. For sure. Um, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to condense it as much as I can without leaving out anything important. But um, right now, I'm 27 years old, and I'm living in Utah, just south of Salt Lake. And um, I grew up in San Diego, California, and I moved out here uh, in 20, 2012, I think, so about five years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, pretty much, um, I mean, I think I, lo- I owe a lot of it to my parents. They're both, um, they're both really creative. My mom is a professional harpist, and my dad, he's not performing anymore, but he was a professional magician. Now he's just doing uh, magic consulting for, like, other magicians that are still performing. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So they're both very familiar with the freelance lifestyle and the artistic um, – lifestyle and everything so they're very understanding and they've always been really supportive of anything i wanted to do um i haven't been doing photography specifically all my life but ever since i was little i've been drawing and painting and doing lots of creative things um i got into playing the guitar for a while and just through all of that my parents have been really supportive and they've always tried to give me the tools and things that i need to create what i want and um so um, basically, uh-huh. I'm, I'm curious, uh, growing up, um, in that kind of environment, like, uh, I mean, that's a pretty unique, uh, situation that most other people don't have. So I'm wondering what it was about that environment that helped, uh, foster your creative side and, and your willingness to go out and, uh, do this on a full-time basis. Well, yeah, I feel really fortunate because my parents never pressured me to go to school or to have a career or anything like um, making money or anything like that. They just always wanted me to be happy first. And since they're artists as well, they knew that the only way I would be happy is if I was able to create the things that I wanted. And so they were just always willing to get me whatever I needed. And um, it pretty much all started like with photography. Um when I was younger, I was really into skateboarding and me and my, me and all my friends would go around and skate. And, uh, we obviously wanted to start making skate videos and stuff once we started getting better. So I bought like a really cheap camera when I was like 13. And I think that lasted for like a year just recording. (laughs) stuff. And my parents were kind of impressed and they saw that I was serious about it. And, um, for Christmas when I was 14 years old, my, parents got me like a professional well back then it was a professional like probably the best camera you could get for skateboarding it's called the sony vx 1000 that's like the camera back then in the 90s sweet and uh so i was super stoked to get that and i started taking it more seriously and my friends started getting sponsored and everything so i actually started getting paid for the footage that i would record of them uh since i was like 16 so Ever since then, I've been dealing with like brands and um, selling content to com- to companies and stuff like that. And uh, that's crazy, dude. Yeah. So basically, I just met a bunch of people in that industry and everything. And then later on, I just kind of got out of the skate scene for various reasons. But I still wanted to continue doing cinematography and things like that. So I invested in a new camera that was more relevant. And I got a Canon 60D so I could start recording um, 
video and stuff like that. And I was doing jobs, creating like promotional videos and like blog videos and stuff for my brother's marketing company here in Utah. So I got lots of experience working with different companies and doing lots of different things until eventually I just got kind of bored doing things for other people. And I realized I just wanted to uh, start doing my own thing. And I really wanted to see more of the world. So I had some money saved up and I just started traveling full time. I just said I was going to take a year off from everything except traveling. And uh, since I was traveling, I was just recording stuff and um, I was working on like a little film and stuff like that. And since I had a DSLR to record all the video, I just I just started taking snapshots and messing around with photography again. Until finally, I just got way more into it. And I guess that's how I've gotten to where I am now, where it's the main thing that I'm pursuing video. I still enjoy uh, making films and stuff like that, but it's that's really like in the background now. Photography's taken the front stage pretty much. Nice. So, um, when did you when did you become full time? When was that? Um, well, I guess I became full time as soon as I quit um, the gigs that I had going on and everything, like in 2014. But I didn't really start making money, like a living from it until I'd say late 2015, early 2016. That's when I started making some money for the things that I was doing and, um, yeah, selling prints and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure there's lots of people listening that are super curious about what that journey looks like. So maybe if you could indulge us in, um, talking a little bit about, what it takes to become a full-time photographer and what that journey has looked like for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I always use the term full-time photographer instead of professional because (laughs) I feel like I still feel like I'm a beginner. Um, I know I'm just at the beginning of this journey. Like I have so much more to grow and the vision that I have for my photography is so much greater than what I'm producing right now. So I'm just at the very start and I'm happy to admit that. Um, I think a lot of times people try to kind of don that professional label way too early on. And I think that actually can limit you because it kind of sets a ceiling for yourself and then you stop growing because once you say you're a professional photographer and try to convince people of that, like you're kind of limited to what you can produce. And a lot of these guys, they like fill up their whole year with workshops and stuff like that. And then they don't have time to keep growing themselves and shooting their own things. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if for anyone that really wants to do photography full time, I think it's awesome. But the most important thing is that money is always just a result of your photography and it never becomes the cause because once money becomes the cause, um, it's just not going to work out. Like one of my favorite quotes that I always refer to is by C.S. Lewis. And he says, put first things first and we get second things thrown in, put second things first and we lose both first and second things. So nice. Yeah, that makes sense. I know. Yeah. Like I, I know a few times where I was really trying to (laughs) make, make money to, you know, like pay off a lens or something like that. Like it definitely, um, for whatever reason, like it's hard to explain, but it, it, it takes some of the, um, the passion out of it. Um, if that's all you're focused on. So I, I think I, I think I try, I think I understand what you're saying. 
Right. And I think art without passion is just, it's not going to work. So if you focus on the money, you're going to stop creating good art. And if you're not creating, you know, great art, you're not going to be making money. (laughs) So it's kind of like this catch 22. As soon as money becomes the cause, I think it just all falls apart there. And, you know, maybe it'll work out for a while, but I don't think you're going to continue to grow as an artist. And if you're not becoming a better artist, I don't think your financial you know, your financial gains are going to increase really either. I think it's just like focus on the art and you're going to make great art. And if you make great art, I think you have a great chance at making a living from it. Yeah, absolutely. So what are, what are some other key variables or considerations about uh, doing it full time? Ever since I was a teenager, I've, I've pretty much always had a girlfriend at some point or another. Um, pretty consistently like there's just always been someone interested in me and um so I'm pretty familiar with like having a relationship and trying to balance that lifestyle with a relationship and it can be very difficult um a lot of guys just stay single because it's so hard to do but I really think there is someone out there for everyone and you need to find if you really want to have a relationship and also be able to pursue your art you need to find someone that completely understands that and they need to understand that it's part of who you are and it's not something you just turn off and on. Um, It's not just your job. It's something that is always going through your head and they need to be able to share you with that because if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to make them happy because if you can't pursue your own thing, you're just going to kind of fall apart as a person and then, you know, the relationship isn't going to work either. So, think you just need to find someone that's really understanding and can kind of share their time with you and yeah you know let you do your own thing it's it's kind of cool like um i know i know i talk about him all the time on the podcast but uh my buddy kane he recently went full-time and he was working for years and years and years in retail and finally his his wife kind of like she started her own business and it was really successful and she was like kane just just go take photos full-time like I don't care like yeah and he was like really (laughs) and that's what he's been doing and it's super cool to see him be able to do that like but I think you you're right like you need to have someone who's supportive and and who who kind of understands that that's just part of who you are as a person yeah just respecting each other's time respecting um you know that you might have to take longer trips that you might be working long hours that you have to be extremely dedicated and passionate and just, you know, you just need to be honest with each other and with what expectations you have for each other. And it's not just like finding someone that's going to put up with it either. Um, I'm saying this from the rela- the relationship that I'm in right now. It's been, it's been a really easy relationship because uh, my girlfriend that I'm with now not only lets me do whatever I want, she really motivates me to take trips. She says like, oh, like that seems like a cool place. Why don't nice. you go there? Or, you know, it's not just like, hey, are you going to be okay with me doing this? It's like she's actually getting me out and doing things that I probably wouldn't have the courage or, you know, the inspiration alone to get done. That's myself. awesome. I need to uh, I need to have my wife chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. I think that's, I think that's amazing. So one of the things yeah. you mentioned was, um, you know, traveling for long amounts of time. I'm curious, like what, what are some of the pros and cons of, of that aspect of being a full-time photographer? Um, 
Well, over time, um, I mean, when I first started traveling, I would spend anywhere between, you know, a week or two in a single place or just a weekend, just because I wanted to see as much as I could in a short period of time. And I really got a feel for like lots of different places in the world because I got to see so much in just a year. And from that, um, I realized when it comes down to photography, I can't really produce anything that I feel is meaningful or powerful um, unless I have a personal connection with the place. So I can't just show up to a place and on the very first day shoot an image that I, you know, really, really like. It's just not a realistic expectation for myself. So I like to plan trips, you know, the shortest, maybe like two weeks or a month if I'm flying somewhere. Um, here in Utah, I'll take off like every weekend and go shoot for a few days because I'm really familiar with these places already. But um, like last year, I flew to Patagonia and it was my first time. So I gave myself oh, a month. Oh, so cool. I spent, yeah, it was awesome. I spent three weeks at the same campsite in um, Los Glaciares National Park. That's where Fitzroy is yeah. in Cerro Torre. And if I hadn't spent those three weeks there, um, I just don't think I would have been able to create any of the images that I had because in those three weeks, just having time to just relax and not be rushed and just sit and stare at those mountains for hours and hours, like, and get a feel for like what the weather is like there and what the light does and all those kinds of things. Like that's the only way that I was able to produce anything that, that I'm proud of. Yeah. It's funny how consistently this comes up on the podcast that, that time is that variable that really is, it's so hard to control for because, um, you know, I think there's a lot of photographers like myself that, you know, we work full time and then we try to do photography on the side mm -hmm. and that time, that time variable yeah. is always the kicker. You know, it's like, Oh, if only right. I had more time. Some guys, yeah. some guys can pull it off, but I don't think I could at all just because, um, I like to take, take things slow and, I just don't think I could build relationships with these places in a rush or if I feel under pressure to create. Um, I just like to be there and just experience the place first and foremost. And then I think um, great photos result from a great experience. So I can't have that experience unless I have plenty of time to just totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I got my, my start in photography from just doing a shitload of uh, mountain climbing here in Colorado. So like, Obviously, when you go out, I mean, I think I had one summer where I did like 30, 30 peaks in one summer. And, you know, like I have a really strong relationship with the mountains here in Colorado. So like um, I already have that personal connection like that. That was never a problem for me. It's always it's always just right. the time. Yeah, It feels really good to like go to those places like in southern Utah now, like once you go enough places, like you just kind of know you have a really great sense of direction, you know, where everything is. And it just, when it feels familiar like that, it just starts to feel like home and you just, um, I don't know. It just, it's just that feeling is where the photography begins yeah, for man. me. Like if I can't get there, then it's really hard for me to be in a comfortable place to create. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, thanks for going into detail about that. That's super cool. I wanted to um, shift gears a little bit. Um, I know one of the topics yeah. that we share a lot of, um, I don't know if it's uh, agreement on or if it's just um, passion about, but uh, um, 
I I know that you shoot a lot in Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, and um, and I know that one of I've seen a lot of your blog posts about that, and I've I, I know that that you you strongly believe that that there that photography can be used to help preserve wilderness, and that's a topic that we talk about a lot on the podcast. So I really wanted to really dive deep into that topic with you, if that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, tell me a little bit about um, why why do you feel like photography can help preserve wilderness and what does that even look like? Well, I think it's a lot of people um, seem to complain now, like because of photography, places have become more popular and because of the popularity, there's a lot more foot traffic and, you know, just with more people, there's going to be some negative side effects of that, like, you know, almost guaranteed but for sure, for sure. I think like, at least for myself, I mean, <clears throat> just getting the inspiration to travel that was from seeing these places first, you know, like, um, I would have never cared to go to Patagonia had I not seen a photo from there first or read some literature about it, you know, like I think just, um, photography is one of the many art forms that can make people aware of the existence of these places. And, when you don't see photographs of these places, um, this is when decisions like this happen where they're going to section off a place to drill it or, you know, drill for oil or mine for coal or something like that. Because all it is, is a name on a map. It's just text and like a boundary. You don't, they don't see like what the actual place is. And I mean, obviously going there and experiencing it yourself for yourself is the best thing, but to really understand it and what's at stake there. But I think it all starts with photographs and without photography, I just think these places wouldn't stand a chance like conservation wise. There just wouldn't be enough people caring about it. Yeah, I, I, I agree um, for sure. <laughs> I guess, you know, in this, this most recent <clears throat> situation with Grand Staircase Escalante and, um, and how it was kind of declared, uh, I guess, Bears Ears as well. Um, yeah. Uh, I know that there's been a lot of photography in those locations. Um, and, um, I know there's a lot of landscape photographers and there's a lot of outdoor retailers and like Patagonia and stuff like that, that are like, they've been lobbying super hard and it hasn't really had a whole lot of success from what I can tell. Um, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it occurs to me that, you know, there's some powerful financial forces at play here. And so I'm curious, other than just taking images of these locations, like what are some other ways that photographers can um, can get involved to help preserve the locations that we all really appreciate? Well, I mean, as a photographer, I think the best thing you can do is document the place and share it and try to express through your photography the value that it has in its natural unaltered state because I mean, I think a lot of photographers, um, I've been surprised to see that some photographers are actually pro like the decisions being made. They aren't really against the new boundary reductions and stuff like that. And I think the reason for that is because they're just thinking about how the places most likely like all of these features that are there that we like to go photograph, they'll be, they'll remain intact, at least aesthetically, they'll still look the same. But I think like after there's um, new mines set up and stuff like that around the area, um, 
these places aren't going to sound the same. They're not going to feel the same. And the experience of being in them is going to be gone. But I think uh, some photographers just don't care about that. They just care about what it looks like so they can just go and take a picture of it. But I think if we can get on a deeper level and take photographs that show more dimensions of the area um, through emotion and just, you know, creativity and not just showing all of the really famous stuff that's there, but showing the other things as well. I think people will care about the area more and obviously photography alone isn't going to save it, but I think that's one crucial part of the thing. And I think if any one person tries to do everything, you end up doing nothing. <laughs> so I think photographers should be focusing on documenting and sharing these places, inspiring people to care about them. Other people um, that are, that have better organizational skills, they can organize petitions or rallies, stuff like that. Other people that have the financial means, they can donate money to sway opinion and things like that. But, you know, as photographers, I think the most we can do, and I really think it is a lot because not everyone can do it, is take pictures of the places and help people care about it that haven't been able to see it already. I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, what, one thing you said that's, that really speaks to me is, you know, it's more than just the way it looks. I mean, it's it's an experience. And I think... Um, if you've ever been to any of these kind of places and you've, if you've, and you've lived the whole experience, like, um, I don't know for me anyway, like it, it, it's, it's like, it becomes part of my soul. Like, right. um, I don't know, like it just touches you in the feels, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, uh, not to sound cheesy or whatever, but, um, I know that that's the feeling I get when I go to some of these places here in Colorado that I visit over and over and over again, that it's. Like there's just something special about it that always, um, that always touches me. Like every time I drive up Highway 550 and I see the Grenadiers, which is a mountain range, like mm -hmm. I'm always just like, hell yeah, I love that place. Like it's so cool. Like no matter what. And then, of course, every time people in the car are like, you're, you're kind of a nerd, dude. Like, but like if you've never been up in those places, like you don't, you just, I don't know. Like the experience of being there and smelling it and hearing it and touching it and seeing <laughs> right. it, like the whole package combined, like, I think you're right. Like people need to, to go to those places and experience them and not just the way they look, but how they feel in all ways. Yeah. I mean, anyone that goes and experiences nature, um, I think they're gonna automatically become an advocate. Like, I don't think you can go to these kinds of places and want to harm them or destroy them in any way. I think it's because these decisions are being made by people that haven't ex experienced it. So they don't see any other value in the land unless it can be extracted through tourism, which is one end or through, you know, what you can extract through mining and stuff like that, like getting minerals. So, I mean, if you can uh, take photos that inspire people to go visit these places, I think you're going to be, you know, bearing testimony of the importance of these places and other people are going to become believers as well. And I think that's probably one of the best things we can try to do. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I, you said earlier, like you, you, you've heard of some people that are, that don't necessarily mind. And I think there are some landscape photographers out there that, um, like these locations and whatnot, they're, they're just like, um, they're just trying to collect, uh, gallery shots for their portfolio or whatever and it's not necessarily about the experience of being in those places and and making a part of who you are but i 
I wonder, like, one of the things that I've been talking to s- some people about, like Aaron Babnick and um, a few other people, is is like is this idea of like um, that workshops I think could could play potentially a positive role in getting people more uh, um, emotionally and spiritually connected to to these landscapes, um, not just taking people there to get the photo, but also like helping them connect to those locations. Um, I'm just curious, like what are your thoughts on um, the role of workshops in all of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as a workshop instructor, you, de- instructor, you definitely have um, the power to influence the people that are coming along on your workshop. And it just, <clears throat> I think it just comes down to the kind of photography you're inspiring these people to pursue. Like, like you said, a lot of guys, they just want to go and, you know, collect these photos. And it's like, well, when you like a flower, you pick it and you take it home. But when you love a flower, you water it daily. So like, are you teaching these people? Like, obviously everyone likes these pretty places, but are you teaching them to love them? Because it's a completely different thing. And I mean, like I said earlier, the kind of photography that I enjoy doing is photographing things that I love that I have a personal relationship with. So, um, I don't do many workshops yet because I like to keep plenty of free time for myself to go shoot. But when I do do them, I usually focus on inspiring the people to care about the place, to see the light happening throughout the day, to notice like all of the details and the subtle things. And, I don't really take them around and like hold their hand to take certain photos. It's more like I try to inspire them to understand why we do this and all these things so that they can be um, self-motivated and they can, they can be inspired to go find it on their own. And I think that's, that's going to make a difference because they're going to have, you know, they're going to care about these places that they visit from then on. Yeah, totally. I think I think that's the right approach for sure. And I think um, the unfortunately, um, I've heard about and I've seen a lot of lead uh, workshop leaders that uh, you know their their sole mission is to um, help people get like that shot, like that epic shot, and like they'll do whatever it takes to 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 get that experience. I don't even know if I'd even call it an experience. It's like put your tripod on these holes and get the shot that I already have. Like, um, and I think interestingly, there's, there's a market for that out there that people, they want their hand held. They want to be shown exactly where to go to take a photo. And I think, um, if any of the people listening are that way, like there's nothing wrong with you but I would implore you to try to experience it on your own, like go to a place and, and try to connect with it. And you'd be surprised like creatively, like what happens when you just sit there and try to explore a location on your own? Like maybe, maybe you won't get that epic shot that, you know, everyone is expecting, but you'll get something else that fulfills, fulfills you, which I think is probably more meaningful in the long term. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. I think like, like I said, like it's all about the experience first and a good experience is going to bring great photos. And I think that those of us that have learned that and we have had those deeper experiences and we've been able to learn these lessons, we just, 
it's not that we're hating on other people's photography or anything like that. It's that we know that it could be so much more for them and that it could improve their life and be such a enriching experience. It's like, you just want to like shake them and like, you know, just like tell them to wake up. Like there's so much more to this and like, it could be so much better, but I don't know. They just get kind of tunnel visioned or <laughs> not sure. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen it. I mean, it's like, um, there's definitely some photographers out there that, uh, like if you look at their their photographs, like they have some amazing photographs, but it's like there's nothing about their photo that differentiates them from anyone else in terms of either composition or location. And and, and like to me, it's always surprising um, to see that those are the oftentimes those are the photographers that um, you know they have the most likes on Facebook or Instagram or yeah. whatever. And and I'm, and I think that partially is what's is what's driving that for people. You know, they absolutely they see that um, it's getting rewarded. Yeah, it's it's getting rewarded, but um, I don't know if if that's what we want to be rewarding in the long term as a community. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's because well, the thing what it comes down to is like in everything everyone is in love with the victory, you know, like I wouldn't mind being on stage, like playing a crazy guitar solo with everyone, like cheering me on, <laughs> but I'm not in love with the battle, you know? And that's what it's all about. You know, like, do I really want to practice the guitar every single day for hours and hours playing the same song over and over again until I get it absolutely perfect. Like in order to be successful in this, you have to be in love with the process, not just the result. So, I think a lot of people, they're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having an awesome photo that I can tell my friends that I took, but they're not willing to do the research to, you know, grow as a person and learn those things and experiment and really figure those things out and have the photographs just come from, you know, having a genuine experience. They don't, they don't want to fight for it. They just want to have the victory and get the reward without you know putting in any work yeah for sure and i i mean it's interesting because um i don't know like it's it's so funny thinking about what motivates people to do different things because yeah you know, i think about um the people that are spending you know i'm sure there's people on the listening to the podcast that fall into this category but people that spent you know two three five six thousand dollars on a workshop um to go to a location that um, may or may not really like <clears throat> if you would have spent like an hour at the library, you probably could have figured it out on your own. Like it's right. sometimes I wonder if it's like they, they, they don't, they, they have self doubt. Like they don't think that they know how, how they could do it or, or if they really, maybe they just have a lot of money and don't care. I just don't know. Like it's really, yeah. I'm not that guy, so it's hard for me to understand that person. But Yeah, you uh, can't relate with it. Yeah, and I'm always asking other people about that because, like, um, I mean, maybe part of it is, like, I've never had a lot of money. So, like, if I had a lot of money, maybe I'd be like, yeah, show me how to take a photograph. I don't know. But <laughs> it's, I don't know, like. But, but, no, you wouldn't because, like, it's not about, I mean, it's not like a photograph is a payoff for all of this like strenuous work and like uh, suffering and whatever. It's not like that at all. Like 
I love the hiking. I love finding places. I love waiting around. I love, I love the whole process. Right. And that's why, that's why it's worth it to me to do this. And I think just in general, everyone should be spending their life doing whatever it is that they love doing, you know, like not just the result of doing it, but what you actually love doing, do things just to have, just to do them, not to like have done them, you know, not for recognition or anything like that. And by the time I finish like editing a photo, I've already gotten all the satisfaction that I need. That isn't necessarily the photograph. It's just like, once I'm done editing the photo, it's like, that's done. But like, I enjoyed it from the beginning to the end just as much as any other part. And it's like, I just think people got to go into things that they love in that kind of way. Cause if, if you're not like, why are you spending that time? You only get to live life once. And like, why are you going to spend that time doing something that you don't care about on that level? Yeah. Well, unless, unless you're getting something else out of it, like if, um, yeah, if you think recognition or popularity is more important or I guess money, in some cases, but it's like, do you really, I mean, when you're going to die, do you really want to look back and think like, oh yeah, I spent my life making money or do you want to look back and be like, I grew as a person and I had these amazing experiences and I met these people and, you know, like I experienced life, not just like I was a robot <laughs> making money or something. You know what I mean? Like, I totally know what you mean. Um, it, it's not worth it to me. Oh, me neither, man. Um, but you know, you got to pay the bills, right? <laughs> For sure. Like I think money as a result of your photography is, is great. Like money, recognition, fame, whatever that, I think that's all fine, but as long as it's a result and never the cause. Yeah. 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 I think where people get caught up is that, um, they have the ambition, um, and the passion, but then the money isn't coming. And so then uh -huh. they start to, they put pressure on themselves. Yeah, they put pressure on themselves to produce, to produce or to, to copy someone else or to to do whatever. The easy routes. Yeah, and then the quick gains. Before yeah. Before you know it, you know, there's like people got like flipped skies and enlarged moons and yeah, you've sold out composited Milky Ways. Which I'm not gonna lie, I have shit, like two of my best selling photos are composites. Like it's and, and they look awesome and like sometimes it bothers me like that's the photos that people like you know what i mean well there's nothing wrong with like the fact that it's a composite the only thing that would be wrong with it is if you for some reason don't feel um okay with that but you keep selling it because it's making money right you know? right, like, right like keeping these images up on your website or in your gallery just because they're selling that's like you know that that's going against why you do photography. I think sure. you want to share like things that you think are going to influence the world in a, in a good way. And sure. that's what it's about first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, let's, uh, shift gears a little bit and talk about backpacking. Okay. I know you do a lot of backpacking and, um, you know, I, I do a ton of backpacking in, uh, yeah. Colorado. So, um, how did you get into backpacking and what has it done for you um, in terms of your photography? Well, it just started out doing hiking and stuff like that because in Utah, um, there's just so much stuff everywhere you go. We have mountains up like 10 minutes from where I live. I can be in the canyon and be at a trailhead or, um, you know, down south, you have all the desert and everything. So I just started checking a lot of places out, hiking around, hiking further and further. 
And then there's just certain places that you can't hike to in a single day. So you start figuring out how you can make that happen and what you need to carry with you and everything. And then also, like I said earlier, I prefer to spend more time. So, you know, a day hike isn't going to be enough for me. I, I like to stay in there for a while. So yeah. you learn how to pack everything you need and stuff like that. That's pretty much how I got into it and thought that it would be something, um, you know, that would help me with photography. Oh, for sure. Um, I know for me, like what I love most about backpacking is that it, um, it's one of the only ways that you can almost guarantee that you're not going to see a bunch of other people shooting the exact same scene. Like I can, I can't think of a single time where I intentionally backpacked into an area and ran into a bunch of other people. I know that it probably can happen like in, um, you know, probably like on the, uh, John Muir trail or, or maybe like up in the enchantments or something like that. But I mean, those are even permitted. So, so you're not going to run into a ton of other people. So for me, like, that's what I love about it is like, for me, it's, it's a way of differentiating myself from, from the pack. Like, I'm willing to travel mm-hmm. 20, 30 miles to get a shot that most other people aren't ever going to see for themselves nor get a photograph of. Yeah, that's one part of it. But I think the other part, um, like you said, that is what I mainly love about it is like you'll be at like an alpine lake or something like that and you'll see people hiking in and out all day long and then like after sunset like you see the last photographers leave and you're like this is going to be my home tonight like (laughs) you know like i get to chill here all night and that's just like a completely different experience than anyone has just doing a day hike that day like and i think like after that that's when the real photographs are going to come and like it's just going to be such a for for me at least it's going to be such a fond experience well yeah i'm thinking back to what you were talking about earlier about having a soulful connection to a location like there's no better way to do that than to actually sleep there and cook there and yeah like yeah become a resident exactly like i mean for me like that's how i get i got super connected to um southwest colorado like when i was in college i had a a job over the summer as a a camp counselor basically but it was basically taking middle school kids out backpacking in the Wemenuch wilderness and like that's the first time I got to experience those places for the first time. And, you know, of course I wish I had like a super awesome camera with me and knew how to use one back then. I had like a, I think I had like a little disc camera, (laughs) a cheap little Uh disc film camera. But uh, yeah, man, like that, I think backpacking is such a good way to get that personal connection to a location. Yeah. It's so much better than staying in a hotel or, you know, anything like that. I mean, and then, and then there's certain places where you can just like park your car and then hike in and you're not going to be in a vehicle for a week or two, you know, like that's such a great feeling. Just getting everywhere on foot. It just, um, it brings you back to like, just like those core human traits and instincts that we have. It's such a refreshing thing that I think a lot of people unfortunately don't get experience these days in this, you know, crazy and crowded yeah, world. And, um, the other thing too is like it makes you feel pretty vulnerable too i don't know like you know you're out in the middle of nowhere by yourself or with a, your couple other people or whatever and like you know, you know that like there's no 
way like if someone got hurt like it's gonna be a big deal like i don't know like it's just a really yeah. cool experience and i love i love everything about it and and i think what's cool about it from as a from a photographer's perspective is um like that feeling of aloneness and vulnerability like for me it does something to my creative side like um and you have the time like you start to see things so differently yeah yeah you well, sorry just real quick off of what you just said like i think a lot of people um the way they travel is like they go to one place and they go to the next because like once they've already been there they're kind of bored of it but like what I've realized is like the more time I spend in a place, the more inspiration I have and the more things I can create, like the more I go back to a place, the more I want to keep going back because the more ideas are born, you know, just from being there. So I think that's something you totally miss out on when you aren't willing to spend a lot of time in these places. Yeah, by I agree, man. Well, so you've listened to some of the podcasts, so you kind of know it's coming. So, um, you know, based on the name of the podcast, F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, uh, what advice would you have for other landscape photographers, especially um, people that are just starting out? Well, I think collaborate is such a good word because I think so many people view it as a competition, and there's really no reason at all to see it as a competition. Um, the only way it would be a competition is if everyone's trying to do the same thing, and they're trying to do that one thing better than each other. And photography is an artistic, personal pursuit, and no one else can be you better than you can. So as long as you're following your inner voice and you find um, your own message that you want to share through photography, your own perspective of the world that you want to share with everyone, there really isn't any competition. So... I think it's great to share techniques with each other. Um, I don't find like any kind of threat in that. Um, you know, congratulate others for their success and don't feel threatened by anyone else because it's not a zero sum game. Like it's something that everyone can win because everyone is doing their own personal battle. I mean, hopefully I know some people are trying to copy others or they're trying to go for the same thing, but I think that really isn't photography as far as an art form. Um, I think if you're really pursuing it as an art form, it's just a personal thing. And all you can do is be better than you were the last time you went shooting. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few times where I was like, oh, man, this was not my best out. <laughs> I've had Am a I few getting of those worse? moments for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, cool, man. Sure. I think that's great advice. Um, you know, I, I, I learned long ago, um, especially with social media, like, there, there can be some pretty nasty exchanges with other people if you have the mindset that it's a competition, you know, like, um, I'm not yeah. going to name any names, but I had a, I had a guy that really just tweaked me a few years ago. Like every time I'd post a photo, he would like post a negative comment about it. And he was a well-known photographer and, and it wasn't That's because crazy. my photo was bad. Like if it was because my photo was bad, it was like, that would that's fine but it was just like he would just have these snarky comments and it was like i don't have time for this man like you're you're done <laughs> i it's the only person i've ever banned on facebook like it just it just annoyed me so <laughs> and then ever since then like i've kind of gone out of my way to like because i think we all have like a 
well, maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of us have like that, um, I don't know, like that inner, that inner kind of voice that's like, oh, well, that person did this and that's stupid or whatever. Like, and I, yeah, yeah so I'm always ego. suppressing that, like, shut up. Like, that's not important. That's yeah. not cool. Like, um, and it's hard right. to do, but, um, I think in the end it, it, it pays off if you can just try to focus on collaborating and not competing. I, I like that message, dude. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the ego that we all have is like constantly comparing itself against everyone else and against the world. And um, I think, you know, part of being a great artist is trying to, you know, be able to suppress the ego and not be limited by it because it is something that's going to destroy you in the end if you give it the power. And, um, you know, you just got to you just got to realize you're on your own journey. Everyone's on their own path. And some people try to jump on someone else's path, but it's just not going to work. You can't be better than someone else right. at being who they are. <laughs> right. <It's> like, <laughs> you're never going to have their thoughts before they have them themselves. You know, like you're never right, going to get ahead that way. Um, I've always had great um, outcomes by just collaborating with people and like reaching out to them. And like, oh, for sure. um, I think that's the way to do it. Like, you know, you're not trying to copy, you're trying to learn and yeah, share ideas. Um, I always, I think like I, I, there's a lot of photographers out there and I'm surprised that this is that I've seen this so much. They don't look at like any other photographers work. (laughs) And I think it's so, I'm so shocked by it because like, if you're a musician, you should be listening to music all the time. If you're a writer, you should be reading books nonstop. And I think if you're a photographer, you should be looking at photography a lot as well. Like I'm constantly studying people's portfolios, not so I can replicate them or copy them, but it's just like if you're stuck in your own little world and you're never seeing what anyone else is doing, you're going to kind of get left behind in the sense that your your standards that you set for yourself are probably being broken by other people. And once you see they've broken the standards you put for yourself, like you raise the standards for yourself even higher because you see that you know, more things are possible. It's like, I think it was like the four minute mile, like everyone thought it was impossible to do a four minute mile. And then one guy did it. And after he did it, everyone started doing that. It became like a norm. So it's <laughs> like, if no one had heard about that, they would have still put this like limitation on themselves that it's impossible and no one can do it. But it's like, it's awesome to see guys doing groundbreaking stuff. And that just inspires me like, oh, wow, I have so much more that I can do. You know, I'd I can't become complacent. I need to keep working at this. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause, um, I think there's, first of all, I like, totally agree. Like I'm constantly looking at other people's stuff, like, you know, for inspiration, mm-hmm. for ideas, for, I mean, it's funny, like even the, the process of, um, trying to do, a uh, honest critique of someone else's work, especially if it's someone you really admire, like that can be highly useful too, because you start to see things that you, Oh yeah that you would not necessarily see if you hadn't tried to look for it. Um, and then you start applying it to your own work as well. Um, but it's funny. I think there's like a negative side effect to that phenomenon as well in terms of looking at other people's work, because I think it can turn into like a, like an arms race, like, like everyone's trying to one up everyone else. And then, and then they start doing crazier and crazier things. And, um, I was just talking last week to a photographer in the UK named Alex Nail, and he was uh-huh. <laughs> he was saying he's noticed in the United States anyway, like like 
people are constantly one upping each other in terms of like processing and image enhancement and things like that. So um, I think I think there's a there can be a negative side of that as well. But obviously, that's only if you choose to go there. <laughs> right. That that just comes from like again, like I said, from competing. Like if you're trying to go for the same thing instead of just recognizing and being familiar with your own inner voice and just following that. Um, you know, like when you see someone's work and you're like, Oh, it's better than mine. Like, shoot, I need to, you know, do this crazier (laughs) or do this just like them because you're comparing yourself instead of just like being like, Oh, that's a cool idea. What if I could use that same technique to do this? Like this thing that I've been struggling with, like trying to figure out, they just solved that problem like indirectly for you or like, you know, and like you said, like looking at work and studying work are two different things. Like when you look at a photographer's images, you should be thinking, you know, why did they, why did they do this? Why is this that way? Why is this framed like this? And you either learn their mistakes that they've made or you learn the things that they're doing well and you can apply that in your own. And it's not about replicating them or anything like that. Like, I don't think it's going to turn out exactly the same. It's just going to fine tune what you already know. Yeah, for sure. I agree. It's like, it's like putting small building blocks on top of each other. But if you don't take the time to like try new pieces, it might take you longer to build that building block. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks dude. Um, so who, who is it that you think, uh, would be cool to have on the podcast? Like who's inspiring to you that, uh, you haven't yet heard on here? Yeah. Um, a lot of the guys that I really look up to have been on here already, but I have some friends and other guys that I've connected with that um, I think they'd be really great guests because I think they each have something um, unique that they could share that not everyone sheds light on. Um, first, I would say my friend Mark Handy. I know you know who he is because he's. Uh, yeah, I heard he like supported the. I actually was. T- Talk, Patreon. talking to him today uh it's so funny he's because i said yeah i have to go eat lunch because i'm about to have a podcast with eric ben and he was like oh he's too cool dude he's like one of the only people i'll shoot with <laughs> right yeah that's the same thing like mark is one of my closest friends and like he's one of the few people that i can have a good time shooting with and um it's not just because he's my friend though he he used to own a really successful gallery in la jolla um, San Diego right next to like Peter Lick's gallery. And he's worked with like a director that used to work for Peter Lick. Um, he, he, he was really successful with that. He closed it down now cause he just didn't want to keep doing that. Cause he doesn't really have to depend on photography financially at this point. But I think he has a lot that he could share about that, which would be really cool. Yeah. And also he shoots with a phase one camera, yeah, that's which not saying. many guys use. <laughs> yeah. He could, he, he could have tons of stuff and he's also just a really pleasant dude to talk to and, He's really nice, and I think everyone would really enjoy that interview. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who else? <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if anyone else has recommended him. I know a lot of people know of him. Um, my friend, I don't even know how to pronounce his name because we've never really talked in person, but uh, Dog Ole Nordog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great to have on. He has some awesome images. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about going out to Norway and shooting with him soon. We've been talking about it. Uh It'd be comforting to hear an interview with him first to see if he's a normal person or not. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I think I actually reached out to him already, kind of like a soft, like on West Coast Uh photographers. 
uh, Facebook group. But um, yeah, man, he puts out some really fantastic images. And um, yeah, and and what I really like about his stuff is um, I haven't seen yet like any compositions that I'm familiar with or even locations like it's oh yeah it's all stuff you had no idea was in Norway yeah so that's yeah I like thought that, that that he's a he's a great recommendation that I appreciate that one and I'll I'll do a check to see if he's he's um like not a axe murderer or something <laughs> awesome <laughs> um there's this other guy he's in Colorado his name's Mason Cummings I don't know if you know him um, I have heard of him. Um, well, I he has some awesome I, work. I think I'm, uh, I think we're Instagram buddies. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't put out a whole lot, but, um, he works with the wilderness society and they're like a conservation group. Yeah, that's and right. I, that's I, right. Actually, uh, I came in contact with them because I've been working with them, uh, covering the stuff in Escalante since they're like based in Colorado. So I've been. I've been working with them and I'm going to be doing an article for them soon about that. And so Mason's a really cool guy. Um, great photographer, like I said, and I think he could share a lot of really awesome things about wilderness preservation and stuff like that. Since he works with the wilderness society, I think he's their photographer and like an editor or something like that. That's cool. I mean, maybe I could, uh, have them do a little shout out about the podcast, you know, that'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would definitely approach him. He's a really cool guy. Cool. Um, some other guys, uh, a lot of people, I mean, you've had some international people, but uh, there's a lot of Australian photographers that I know that are really cool and they'd be fun to have. Um, I don't know if you know who Dylan Toe is. What? Oh, what is his uh, website ever? Am I thinking the same guy? But yeah, he is uh, yeah, a good photographer. Everlook photography. Yeah, Everlook photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been, shit, man, I've been following his stuff probably for six or seven years like yeah he's been shooting for he's a while. really good i don't know if you've reached out to scott mccook yet i haven't heard anyone mention him no but i have i am familiar with his stuff too like he has some really uh freaky uh milky way photos like i don't know how he processes them but he adds a shitload of color to it um but it actually uh-huh. i mean it looks good like i mean it's not natural but it looks really badass yeah, I mean, if you've seen a lot of his other work, he's mainly known for, like, really abstract aerials from, like, super high up because he do- he doesn't use a drone. He uses, like, phase one cameras or, like, full uh, full frame cameras or, sorry, uh, medium format cameras from, like, airplanes and stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> so he's doing some aerial photography that's really unique and really high quality, and I think he could have a lot of cool things to share about that. And he's a cool guy. I could reach out to him, too, if you... Yeah, that would um, be cool want i'm i'm just gonna go shoot out shoot with him out there last time i was out there but we couldn't link up but yeah he's a nice guy yeah cool yeah definitely well shit man uh do you have any more or is that good (laughs) um i don't know if you've reached out to adam gibbs i did um he we're getting ready to schedule so yeah 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 and then what about Patrick McDonald? He's in Oregon and he used to shoot film and stuff and he's shooting digital now, but he's a great photographer. Yep, I know Patrick also. Um, I haven't reached out to him yet, but he's definitely on my list as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be cool because a lot of us, like um, I was never into landscape photography during the film age. So I think it's always cool to hear from those guys because they, I don't know, it's kind of a whole different part of the art that a lot of us didn't get to experience. Yeah, yeah, I had... Um 
Gary Randall on. That was fun to talk to him about right. that. And I had um, Randall Hodges on also. Who uh-huh. he? I don't know if you listened to that one yet. It was super yeah. fascinating talking to him. Right. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed both of those because of that perspective that they have. That is pretty unique to most of us younger guys that are starting out. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, I appreciate the recommendations and, um, and, um, definitely, um, I'm shit. I'm probably only a few hours away. We could probably go shoot sometime. <laughs> yeah, man. Go on a backpacking trip, trip or something. Cool. That would be super. I haven't been out to Colorado yet, so I'd be down to go out there. Oh yeah, dude. I can, I can show you where all this crazy stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. I just want to collect as many photos as possible for, for, for Instagram likes. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs>